Hey there, and welcome to your pocket sailing instructor. I'm Penny Caldwell, and I have been a sailing coach for over 25 years now. I'm here to help you reach your sailing goals, whether you're looking for gear reviews, safety tips, or just some fun sailing stories. This podcast will have it all. Your Pocket Sailing Instructor is an educational and fun podcast about all things sailing. I plan on releasing weekly episodes every Thursday to help you end off your week on a high note. So grab your coffee and join me for your weekly dose of all things sailing. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Your Pocket Sailing Instructor. I hope you're having a great week. Uh, So this week we're going to continue our sailing journey in Croatia. Uh, Last week, episode 30, I talked about preparing for the trip and what types of things I did to get organized. So how did I get involved with the flotilla? Who organized what for the flotilla? Uh, What are my qualifications and what type of certifications would you need um, to charter a boat in Croatia? Uh, Also just kind of a bit of research about what did I do beforehand? What types of things did I pack? And finally, expectations. So this week we're going to continue on the Croatia theme and we're going to move into how the trip went, uh, some of the lessons learned, uh, whether or not um, the sailing and the um, trip overall met my expectations and all that kind of fun stuff. So we're going to have a great time talking about all that. Also a reminder to check out the um, notes, the podcast notes that are available at sailnelson.com. And also a reminder about my new Facebook page uh, at Sail Nelson BC. And uh, if you want to hear the story about that one, head back to the last episode when I talk about what happened to my old Facebook page. But moving on and looking forward to uh, getting into this episode with you. Okay, so last week we talked about Marla and the organizer extraordinaire getting everything organized for us so that we could have an unbelievable time uh, during our flotilla. So uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about packing. Uh, what did I pack and what did I not pack or what did I wish I could pack? So last week I mentioned that um, we tried to do carry-on. So just with everything going on right now, travel post-COVID and some of the challenges that the airlines are facing and the fact that we were flying basically halfway around the world on four different airlines, uh, we decided to do carry-on. So I purchased a specific type of luggage uh, called Biagi, and um, that was great. I uh, fit into the, all the airplanes, no problem. I managed to basically bring one week's worth of clothing uh, with the plan to do laundry uh, halfway through and have uh, clothes again for the second week. So along those uh, lines, I packed pretty light. Um, the only thing that I felt that I was missing in the end was I would have liked to have another sweatshirt. I only brought one with me, uh, happened to be my sale Nelson one. So it's been all over the place at this point. Um, but yeah, it was a bit cooler than we were expecting when we were there. So a little bit unseasonable as far as the temperatures were concerned, mid twenties, uh, dropping down into the high to look high to mid teens in the evenings. Um, so it was a little bit cooler and I could have definitely used another sweatshirt. We had a couple days of rain, uh, just drizzle, nothing too crazy, but I did have a rain jacket that I brought with me. 
Um, so for boat gear, um, the two things that I probably would have liked to have brought with me are my binoculars and only because the ones on the boat were really, really bad. It was basically easier to see without them. So, uh, binoculars would have been a, a good one, but really that's a nice to have. I didn't feel like, uh, there was anything too crazy that we were trying to look for. Uh, a lot of the marinas are well marked and once you're in close, you can pretty much see where you need to go and there's always staff uh, on the wall or on the dock at the marina waiting to uh, tell you where to go. So I didn't really feel like binoculars were um, definitely a have to have, but uh, if you are thinking that if you are someone who likes to use binoculars quite often, I would say bring your own pair because uh, the ones on the charter boat were definitely uh, not up to snuff. <laughs> they were not up to the job. So that was one thing that I would potentially pack. And the other thing uh, was to bring my inflatable uh, PFD. So I did not bring my spin lock with me. Uh, the charter boat does have uh, life jackets on board, but they basically look like they were purchased from the Titanic and they're pretty old and they're very uncomfortable. So if at any point you uh, are out in rougher weather or if you need to move the boat in the evening or anything like that, you should be wearing your PFD. So in this case, I definitely would have been more comfortable having brought my own PFD with me. And some of the other boats, some of the other crews and skippers did actually bring uh, their own PFDs with them. So definitely a possibility. Um, a lot of things can be purchased once you get to Croatia. So another thing that I uh, wish that I had purchased or brought with me would have been a set of flippers and goggles and snorkel. Croatia is not really known for uh, snorkeling. Uh, there's definitely diving, uh, quite a bit of diving in the area with some of the shipwrecks and everything like that. But snorkeling, not so much. Uh, there's not a ton of... Um, fish and sea life really to see. Uh, but it was really fun just when we were anchored, you know, swimming around, having a look under the boat, checking out the keel, uh, the water, the visibility is unbelievable. You can probably see a good 35 feet. Um, so it was great. Uh, in the end, I just ended up buying a snorkel and I already had goggles with me. Um, but if you are somebody who enjoys being in the water and kind of exploring a little bit, going along the shoreline, oh, I saw an octopus at one point, kind of po poked out from a, this rock it was hiding underneath. So that was really cool. Um, so yeah, if you're someone like me who likes to go along the shore and just have a, a look at the sea urchins and little fishies and all that kind of stuff, you could definitely consider bringing a, a set with you or you can purchase a set when you're there. Um, the other thing that was a little bit challenging to find were some medications. So allergy relief, um, sunscreen was really hard to find actually. Um, a lot of the sunscreen was just uh, UV 30, uh, and they actually call it sun milk. And that's pretty accurate because it's pretty gross putting it on. It's not, um, I don't know. It's not like the, the sunscreen that, that I use here. It's, it was definitely a little bit lighter and almost quite oily. Like it felt 
really oily once you put it on. So uh, if you are particular or if you do like to have a stronger UV protection, you might want to consider bringing your own uh, sunscreen. Otherwise, it was pretty easy to find uh, most medications. I would say the biggest hurdle, obviously, is figuring out what you're purchasing because everything is in Croatian. Um, but a lot of people speak English there and the pharmacists, when we had to go in and, and get some, um, medication from a pharmacist, they were able to assist us and they were able to speak English. So, uh, not too bad overall, but if you have any particular medications that you do prefer to take, you might want to consider packing those. So let's talk a little bit about food. Food in Croatia, unbelievable. Um, some of the best seafood I have ever had. Um, and also charcuterie. So charcuterie is a staple uh, pretty much in Croatia. Very Mediterranean type of diet. Uh, lots of cheeses, cured meats, olives, um, all just delicious stuff. Uh, and then a lot of seafood because it is right there, super fresh. Um, so we had amazing meals everywhere that we, we went. And it was also very affordable. So in Croatia, you use the kuna. That is currently uh, the currency that they use. They are changing in January 2023 to the euro. And I do expect that you will see an increase in uh, some of the costs of things. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes because they haven't quite um, figured out as far as I could see implementing the euro there. There were not a lot of places that would accept uh, the euro. They did have it noted on some of their bills and their receipts and stuff like that, but they were expecting you to pay in Kuna. Um, so back to the food. Um, octopus was unbelievable, especially we went to a uh, local winery called Rokis. It was on the island of Vis and um, they cook it traditionally uh, by Pekka which is when they basically have a cast iron pot and they put in the octopus and all of the delicious juices and seasonings and all that. And then they put the, they pile the coals around and on top of the pot and they just slow cook it all day. It was unbelievable. So delicious. Uh, the other thing that was really good there too is pizza. Croatian pizza is like next level. Uh, all wood-fired pizzas, really excellent dough and crust, really, really good. Uh, the beer and wine were good. Um, the beers, we were kind of, we were told there were a lot of craft type beers, a lot of beer selection. Uh, so we were kind of expecting to kind of find tap houses or pubs that would have you know, a whole bunch of different beers on tap. We didn't really find that. We kind of found probably the usual five or six beers, but they're good. Uh, typical European beer, a little bit lighter. Uh, Kolsch or um, I believe, yeah, even lagers. Uh, so yeah, really good beer, nice and refreshing. That was great. Uh, the wines were also quite good. I found I'm generally a red wine drinker. I like really heavy, full-bodied, uh, leathery, smoky kind of red wines. Um, but the red wine there was a little bit lighter. Um, so I tended to really enjoy uh, some of the white wines. They're also dry, but a little bit of sweet too. So that really worked 
worked well. So, but don't worry. I kept trying to find that key red wine. I worked my way through a few bottles. <laughs> um, as far as how much things cost when you are in Croatia. So I'm going to talk about our boat in a minute here, but the marinas, I found the, the marinas were qu quite reasonable. Uh, they have nice facilities, well-maintained. The staff were nice. Um, I will put up a, a bit of a copy of our itinerary on my website, sailnelson.com. Under the podcast, you'll be able to find the itinerary there. Um, and basically, um, the facilities were great. Washrooms, showers, all that kind of stuff. It was extremely busy. Um you know, Bob and Marla have been doing these trips for years and they noted that there are a lot of extra boats. Um, so they were quite surprised. And uh, a lot of the times when we got to the marina, uh, there wasn't much hot water for showers. So that worked out fine really for me because I was showering on the boat. Um, all the marinas everywhere we went, we had power, we had water. So basically put on the the heater, the water heater, and had nice hot showers on the boat. So that worked fine for me. Wasn't too worried about that. Um, and then the Mediterranean mooring, which is a type of docking when you reverse and you put your stern to the dock. Um, a lot of people worry a bit about Mediterranean mooring. And in the end, I actually found it a lot easier than probably docking and forward <laughs> and definitely a lot easier to be squeezing the boat in between two other boats than it is uh, coming alongside a, a dock and stuff. So that was uh, a bit unexpected and a pleasant surprise for me. I don't know about some of the other skippers if they feel the same, but um, I found the Mediterranean mooring was, was quite fine to do. And I've also linked to a video that uh, I watched a couple times prior to just to get everybody organized. And I am going to do a, an episode on docking and I'll talk more about, about that. So let's talk a little bit about the vessel that I requested. So in the end, I requested a Hansa 42. Um, we were supposed to be six crew on board. My husband was unable to make the trip, unfortunately. Um, so we ended up with, uh, five of us on board, which worked out really well, actually, because my husband is a uh, six, four and would have taken up a lot of space. <laughs> so that was one thing I learned was that the 42 foot boat, um, was not a huge amount of space for us. I mean, I already knew that because I've done courses on 40 foot boats, but, um, I definitely would have gone with a larger boat. So next time, if my husband is coming along, I would probably get a 48 to 50 foot boat. Um, so our particular boat, uh, I received all the paperwork for the boat and the boat was called Argo Navis. And then when I arrived at the marina, the charter company, they had paperwork for a boat called Luna. So I wasn't sure if, you know, we had a different boat or what was going on, but I took a little walk along the dock, checked out all the boats, and then I see this Hansa 42, and it has brand new lettering on it saying Luna, and right underneath faded is a whole bunch of old lettering that says Argonavis. <laughs> so the boat was recently uh, renamed, probably new owners. Uh, I did not dare ask if they did a proper naming ceremony. I did not want to know. Um, but uh, it was so new with the, the name Luna that all of the paperwork on board was still called Argonavis. So there you go. Anyways, um, so 
basic charter type of boat. Uh, it's a monohull. So uh, furling foresail, this particular boat also had an infurling mainsail for the mast. I'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, it also has a self-tacking jib system, and I'll also talk about that in a minute. It has two steering wheels, uh, two heads, uh, two aft bunks, and uh, forward cabin V-berth. It was a really nice layout, quite large um, cabin area down below. Nice big table. We were able to do lots of cards, cribbage, farkle, play all kinds of games. Um, yeah, nav station was well set up. We had our AIS and GPS and had charts and uh, cruising guides for the area. So I did not bring my own cruising guides with me. I knew that the boat would have cruising guides. And basically I had already read my cruising guides at home. And I also took photos of some of the marinas and pages that I wanted to reference. And I just had those available to me on my, my phone and my Google Drive. So I had all that information with me. Um, we also had internet on the boat the whole time. We had Wi-Fi, which was really nice. Uh, we were able to, you know, listen to music, download recipes. I had my Navionics going the whole time because I purchased the charts uh, for Croatia. Um, so I was able to, you know, kind of triple check. I had the chart going, I had the chart plotter going, and I had Navionics going. Um, so definitely we were very comfortable with where we were. <laughs> uh, the boat had a lot of fuel, 160 liters. It was a diesel Good old Yanmar engine, no problems there. It was a great engine. A um, couple of water tanks. We had 320 liters of water, uh, so a lot of water. And again, all of the marinas, we had power available to us and water. Um, not all of the marinas have fuel, so you do need to uh, plan your trip so that you can fuel up along the way. But we we did quite a bit of motoring the first week. The weather wasn't great, um, and our fuel gauge did not move at all. So I was calculating our fuel consumption, and when the gauge wasn't moving, I was starting to worry that maybe it was broken, and who knows if our tank was actually full when we started, and <laughs> went down this whole rabbit hole. Anyways, I decided decided, you know what, it's probably fine. And then by the second week, uh, it did start to go down a little bit. So I knew that it was working, but we just didn't burn much fuel whatsoever. So, um, so yeah, the charter company provides uh, towels and sheets and blankets, pillows. The pillows were super inadequate. So we purchased our own pillows the first uh, day that we were there. Uh, totally worthwhile to have nice, big, fat, you know, personal pillows. That was great. Uh, the sheets and blankets are fine from the charter company. The towels are a little lackluster. So if you are somebody who really likes to have nice, big, fluffy towels, you will not be getting those from the charter company. Uh, we all brought our own kind of beach towels. Uh, it's a good idea to have one towel that's used for the salt water and then one that you're using for your freshwater showers and stuff like that. So um, the Mediterranean is super, super um, salty. Um, I, I had kind of forgotten how, how concentrated the salt is in that area. Um, so you definitely want to make sure that you have a towel that, um, you use just for, for swimming basically. 
Um, so like I mentioned, our foresail was a furler, furling system, pretty typical. It had a self-tacking jib, which basically means that the uh, jib sheets run to a block, which is on um, a track, kind of like a traveler. Uh, so what that means is every time the sail, when you tack, the, the, the block slides over to the other side and just basically that sets the sail up for you. So super easy and super good for uh, cruising. Um, not something that I particularly like because you cannot um, fine tune and adjust your sails as as easily. And the other thing too is you cannot heave to when you have a self-tacking jib, which is a maneuver that I use a lot. So I mean, I could set up basically a preventer type of thing where I would have a rope, a pulley system going from the clue of the sail over to the tow rail uh, to hold the sail basically to the windward side when I'm trying to heave to. Uh, but I didn't really worry about it. So that was fine. Um, the mainsail was another story though. Uh, in furling mass systems, I am not a big fan. Um, I've had a lot of issues with them over the years, but um, in this case, um, I was doing my thorough boat checks before we left the dock, and uh, we started unfurling the main sail. And sure enough, it hadn't been put away properly, or somebody had dropped the halyard at some point, and it was bunched up and it got stuck. And it was so stuck that they ended up having three of the guys from the charter company come out to work on it. And they spent a good hour and a half to two hours uh, going up in the bosun chair and trying to manually uh, get the sail organized and unfurl it, get the halyard all the way up, furl it back in, all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't a great start to the uh, trip knowing that the um, furler was being a bit picky which I expected. But in the end, when we headed out, um, there's basically a, a ratchet system on the mast that your furling lines go through. So you have a furl in and a furl out line, basically, or reef in, reef out. They kind of go by different names, but main in, main out, whatever. Um, but the idea is that you have a rope that goes through this um, kind of winch clutch system that has teeth and then it turns and then it turns um, inside the mast which lets you pull out the the mainsail and unfortunately the teeth had really worn down on this particular uh, winch so we were not able to reef the sail which became a really big problem for us the first week because uh, we were introduced to the bura about four times <laughs> So the burra is a really strong wind that comes through the area, basically like a squall. Uh, you get about 30 knots of wind or so. And it generally comes through and then clears out and you get a good week, two weeks of really beautiful weather. Uh, in this case, we had a whole bunch of weather systems coming in one after the other. And so we ended up with burras for about four days in a row. Uh, so because of that, and because I couldn't properly reef my mainsail, the, basically the furler for the main just wouldn't hold because the teeth were so worn down, it would just spin and spin, and then the whole sail would come out. Um, so that was a real problem for me. That's not something that I'm willing to, um, 
take a chance on, I guess you could say, especially because I was pretty much the prime. Well, I definitely was the primary person on the boat. I'm the skipper. Um, but also there was only one other person who had some sailing experience and who was able to help out with, with things on the boat. So that made it a little bit interesting, uh, for us as far as how quickly we could do things on the boat because I had to coach everyone through everything. Um, so that was kind of our main equipment issue. Other than that, uh, not a lot of issues that the steering was great. Helming was great. Bow thrusters were fine. Um, you know, overall these charter boats, they get used a lot. So considering how much this boat gets out and gets used and abused by people, um, I was pretty impressed with overall, um, how it worked. So, um, we did have a little bit of a leak in the V birth head, but it was just the fresh water coming out of the, the hand pump. One of the, um, what's the word? One of the seals needed to be replaced, but, uh, we decided not to worry about it before we left the dock. Um, and other than that, we were having a great time and it was a great boat. All right. So we'll talk a little bit about the weather. So like I mentioned, it was a little bit cooler than what, uh, we were expecting. I would say mid twenties. It was actually warmer in Nelson for most of the week that <laughs> the weeks that I was away, but that's fine. Um, yeah, so the Adriatic Sea was gorgeous, very turquoise, nice and warm as well. So great for swimming. Um, in the evenings, the temperature dropped a little bit lower. And then, like I mentioned, we did have some pretty strong buras come through. So uh, Croatian, they call it bura. Um, in English, they call it bora, the bora. Um, but basically, it's a northeasterly wind that comes through lots of gusts, Um it's a basically a catabatic wind coming down uh, into the area, so it can be pretty cool and uh, quite gusty. It's a little more common in the winter, but uh, for whatever reason, the the weather pretty much changed when we got there, and uh, it cooled off, and we were starting to experience uh, weather that was a little more typical of um, winter there. So while we were there, definitely doing a lot of weather checks throughout the time, because for me especially, not being able to reef my mainsail um, had me concerned with um, the amount of, of wind that we were going to get and what, what I would be comfortable sailing in. Uh, and also the other thing that we were uh, taking into consideration because there were so many charters there, there were so many other boats. Um, a lot of times we had to kind of book it to get to our next marina to make sure that we could all get a spot at the marina. So that's definitely a downside of being part of a flotilla. And we had a large flotilla, you know, well, I thought it was large for with eight boats. Um, so a lot of fun having that many people, that many crazy Canucks uh, sailing around together. We all had our Canadian flags and everywhere we went, people were like, hey, I'm from Canada too. So that was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, that, that was a bit of an added challenge uh, to getting ourselves to the marinas uh, in time so that we could get enough space for everyone. Uh, Marla did make some reservations at some marinas, but a lot of marinas didn't bother answering the phone or returning emails. Uh, so sometimes we were showing up not really knowing if, if we were going to have a spot. So one of the things that we did tend to do was uh, try to get one or two boats to go ahead 
from everyone and try to get to the marina a little bit early just to secure a bunch of spots and let them know, okay, yeah, we've got eight boats coming in. Are we all going to be okay? Um, yay or nay. So, um, so that kind of factored into our uh, route planning as well. Um, but the weather being obviously the primary uh, source of where we were planning to go based on the weather that was coming in. So um, as usual, when I talk about with planning, I always use many different sources of information. Um, so one of the websites I used quite a bit uh, is actually out of the UK, medioconsult.co.uk. Uh, so it's marine, um, a marine forecast that I was downloading for the area. And it provides wind direction, gusts, um, you know, the average speed to expect and, and all that kind of stuff. So that was one that I was using. Um, another one I was using was Windy. I had the Windy app. And then um, a couple other just kind of website searches and stuff just to compare the different forecasts. Interestingly, I found that the Windy um, app the wind was completely wrong most of the time, like complete opposite direction. So what they were calling for, and then when I was out on the water and what I was actually seeing was the complete opposite. So the nice thing though about Croatia is uh, there are many places on, on many of the islands, you have a lot of anchoring opportunities. So, you know, there were a few times where we would head out and I would actually change our destination because when we got out there, the wind direction and speed and what I was seeing was not what was forecasted um, from the apps that I was using. And in the end, I always go with what I can see and what is actually happening in front of me. So um, I ended up changing up some of our anchorages specifically to make sure we were going to be more comfortable. Um, but yeah, so the weather overall, I mean, there was nothing that we had where I thought, oh boy, this is, this is not going well. This is really, this is really horrible. Um, but it was definitely windier than what Marla had expected. Uh, normally she was saying, you know, early, early to mid September, they're doing a lot of motoring from island to island. It's, it's not so much a sailing trip. It's more of a powerboat kind of getting to and from different islands. So uh, knowing that maybe next time I would get myself a catamaran because the cats have a lot more space on them and stuff. So I could get away with having my husband on the catamaran and, and all six of us, we would be really comfortable too. So uh, something to look into for next time. Um, so that's what I'm going to talk about for now for weather. I'm going to talk next week about our itinerary and where we went and what we saw and everything. And I will talk a bit more about weather at that point. Uh, but for now, I'm going to leave the weather there. All right, so I'm going to end this episode here. Um, I'm definitely going, I have so much more to talk about. I did not get as far as I thought I would, but I'm looking at the length of the episode already. And um, I just want to make sure that I can give you guys all kinds of great information. So I've got like three pages of notes here I still need to, to get through. So next week, my plan is to continue talking about the Croatia trip. I'm going to talk specifically about our itinerary, which islands we visited, uh, the marinas. I'm going to talk a bit about the, the marinas that we went to, um, what some of our mooring fees looked like, um, and just some other tips and surprises and, and other things along the way. Some of the touristy things that we did as well when we were on shore. 
and uh, yeah, just so much more to share. So definitely tune in next week as we continue our journey through Croatia.